Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduccio, and this time around we're talking about Ted Lasso, which means we're going to be talking about the differences between football in America and Britain, and also we're going to be talking about the streaming wars a little bit as well, and I'm going to do it allows me to talk about the pandemic, so actually it, it hits some really important bits of recent history, if you like, and not so recent history as well. Let's get on to it. We're going to be ping-ponging all over the place in this particular one. I hope you enjoy the ride with me. And for the record, I might as well just put this out now. Look, I'm at Jem Daduchu on Twitter. You can say hi. You can give me ideas. We're doing two episodes a week now. Everybody, please click subscribe to get more of the good stuff. If you happen to see this one because of Ted Lasso, it's pretty popular at the moment, then welcome. Hi. There are loads of different episodes on lots of different types of things. It might be on a movie, a video game, it might be on perhaps a, a music or musicals. I've done a whole episode on musicals. You get the idea, lots of different things, which starts off with a thing that you're probably familiar with and then takes you into some either deliberate or inadvertent history connected to that thing. Click subscribe, tell somebody about us, give us a review. That'd be lovely. Thank you very much. But because we're doing two a week, I would love to get people's thoughts. What do you think of the ones I've put out? Please tell me. But also, what would you like me to do next? I could do with some ideas, okay? Anyway, that's the preamble done. Let's move on to the world of Ted Lasso. So, Ted Lasso actually had nothing to do with Apple TV, which is where you get this three series drama, comedy, comedy, drama, more on that later on, where it had nothing to do with Apple and it really had nothing to do with a TV series. Ted Lasso was actually created by NBC Sports to promote the fact that the Premier League, the, the English Football League, and again more on that in a little bit, Football League, i.e. soccer if you're Americans, was going to be shown on NBC. They'd won the rights for it in America. So they came up with this hilarious idea of why don't we have a kind of middle American football coach, as in American football, and he's been told to go to Britain because he's going to run a football team there. And that was Ted Lasso, played beautifully by Jason Sudeikis. Hey, how you doing? This is Ted Lasso. I'm the new head coach of the Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, I'd like to talk to the Queen, please. 
and the gag was, it's like, there are huge differences. There is a Grand Canyon, if you like, or an Atlantic Ocean between these two games. Saying things like, whatever happens, you're either going to win or lose. And then the answer is, or, or you can draw. Oh, can you? And, you know, it's it's about scoring three points. No, it's it's one goal is, is one point kind of thing. And anyway, the idea is that, you know, he's clueless. He's he's very positive. He's He's not a terrible human being, but he's really positive and he's completely ill-equipped and has no idea. He's basically a fool rather than a bad person. And he's, if you like, he's a bit dumb at least in the adverts. And those happened in both 2013, and he was so popular, and America's trying to push this, and it's clearly NBC have been spending a lot of money on the Premier League, that there were some follow-up ones in 2014 as well. And then things went quiet for more than half a decade, when, basically, all of these different content creators, it could be Disney+, Plus, it could be Netflix, it could be Amazon Prime, or it could indeed be Apple Plus or Apple TV or whatever it's called. I happen to have all of them. Very expensive life I lead, but I need to be on top of these things. And basically, we need to create stuff. What's interesting is a lot of these streamers would love to resurrect old stories, old IPs, intellectual property rights. I mean, Disney was so desperate that a flop movie from the 1980s, Willow, which was kind of, it was a decent fantasy movie, fine, starring Warwick Davis, okay, it was a thing, but it was, it was not one of the greatest movies of the 1980s, even a fantastical science fiction or fantasy one, sorry, but that was turned into a TV series. Same with The Dark Crystal for Netflix. So some of these things that really hadn't been around, perhaps the most successful of all these, and indeed I've done a whole episode on it, is Cobra Kai. Picking up the story of the karate kid from the 1980s and saying, well, where are they now as grown men? There is similarities between this and Ted Lasso. I absolutely adored the first three series of Cobra Kai, but just as the movies got silly, well, turned out the TV show's going to get sillier and sillier too, to the point where it's like, if you squint, you can see reality in series one and two, and series three was a bit of a guilty pleasure, but by the time you get to series four, it's like, oh, come on, come on. And it's kind of the same thing with Ted Lasso. You know, these were commercials. They were like, 30 seconds or sometimes minute long idents that they did a brilliant job of turning into the first series but it is painfully obvious in series three that they have completely run out of steam and their ethos more on that in a bit it works for a while but after a while it becomes quite grating so i've got so much to say about this one but the thing with the streaming wars is it's content 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 turning around to people and saying we will bring you something new every month is not good enough we need more than that disney plus basically their their initial argument is unlike a netflix and unlike an amazon prime it's all for the kids you're never going to get anything that's adult rated and you'll get all the classic disney movies you'll get all of the simpsons episodes you'll get all of Star Wars and MCU, it's like, that sounds pretty good for maybe a couple of months. And then I'm done because I've now caught up with all these movies. If I watch one every single evening, even if it's something like the MCU films, a month is all I need to see all of them. And so, yes, even Disney tacitly admitted defeat by suddenly putting on 
other things as well, adult things. I remember a friend of mine actually phoning me up going, go on to Disney Plus. I went, okay, fine. He goes, type in Commando. And I typed in Commando and up flashed the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And it's like, never thought I'd see that on Disney Plus. So everybody wants content. Everybody wants something recognizable so we don't have to build the brand ourselves. And so Apple was doing the same thing. And the thing about particularly Apple and Amazon is that's not their main way of making money. So they can sink billions into things and it kind of doesn't matter because a TV show, even a really expensive TV show, is never going to be as expensive as further developments of an Amazon server farms or Apple iPhone 15s or whatever it may be. So with that in mind, Apple decided to roll the dice and come up with a TV series of Ted Lasso, taking this idea, which was a really fun idea, and expanding it into a series. And if that worked, well, we can do some more series about it. And so that's basically what happened. It came out in 2020. It was filmed in 2019, and it came out in 2020. And this is what I mean about the pandemic, because it happened to come out. It was always planned to come out in the spring of 2020. But in the spring of 2020, we were all in lockdown and we were all feeling a bit miserable and scared. So to have a TV show that wasn't sort of full-blooded and terrifying and basically was saying, let's look at the best of people. Let's be positive. Let's be optimists. Let's be hopeful. That was a medicine the whole of the world needed when the first series of Ted Lasso came out. And it was interesting that the other series that came out at the beginning of the lockdown was Tiger King on Netflix. And that got a huge amount of traffic as well. But that's almost the complete opposite. That is cynical and nasty and degrading and debased. And you're seeing the absolute worst of humanity in that one. Whereas in this one, it's like, Look at how glorious human beings can be. Even if they're making mistakes, we can still laugh and have fun. And it's like, oh, this is just, just, it's like a warm bath. It was just that hope we needed in 2020. And so when they announced, hey, there's going to be a sort of like a three series arc, it was uh, the biggest hit that Apple TV had had thus far. It's like, oh, I'm definitely going to be watching more of that. And then when the second series came out just a year later in 21, it was... Lots of fun. In essence, a little bit more of the same. Things had shaken up in terms of the dynamics. But this time round, because by now they'd built the characters a little bit, Ted Lasso went to the Emmys. And you know what? At the time of recording, Ted Lasso has won 11 Emmys. So now it's a you know, seriously regarded award-winning show. Coming from commercials from heading on for this point nearly 10 years earlier, this is insane story. If you like, the story of Ted Lasso is the story of the character of Ted Lasso. The real character of Ted Lasso. It's all like getting there against the odds with like a positivity and can do. And then we had to wait two years for the third, in theory, final series of Ted Lasso. And there was a lot of melancholy in our household where it's like, oh man, you know, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to these people. But unfortunately, Series 3 is really, really weak. They have run out of steam completely. 
Now, I want to be clear about this. I want to sort of like shout out some names here. Jason Sudeikis, as I say, obviously plays Ted Lasso. I've already told you that. And he's just wonderful with this kind of Ohio type charm, if you like. You know, he's just a country boy. Uh, you know, he's going to give it his, his gosh darndest best. He doesn't swear. He's he's just a, a good guy, if you like. And he is supported by Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard, and Brendan Hunt's actually one of the writers on it as well, so he can write his own stuff, and he's more sort of like taciturn and sort of thoughtful and philosophical sometimes as well. But then we have to talk about Hannah Wadding of Rebecca, who owns the whole football club in the first place. She, I saw her 15 years ago, I'm going to say, in Spamalot, Spamalos, if you don't know, is the musical version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It was just amazing. I saw it with Tim Curry playing King Arthur. And at one point, the lady in the lake arrives and she just sings these sort of power ballads. It's all deliberately done in such a silly, full-on way. And this woman had like lightning bolt charisma. She could sing. She could sing like a Valkyrie, like an opera singer on a good day. But she beamed and she sort of owned the actual stage and she was just sensational. And I said to my wife, it's like, who is this woman? Why have I never heard of her before? And she goes, yeah, I know. That was Hannah Waddingham. She had come up very much through theatrical circles in terms of singing, dancing, acting in musicals. And oh my goodness, she's amazing. Ironically, prior to Ted Lasso, the biggest role that she had played was basically the head sister of authority in the, I think they're called the Starlings or the Wrens, basically this incredibly aesthetic religious order in Game of Thrones. And basically her famous bit, which everybody watched and it turned into a countless memes, basically she's the one parading the woman through the streets naked as Hannah Waddington's there in her full sort of like religious regalia ringing a bell chanting shame shame and yeah who knew that underneath that lack of makeup and mud and very dowdy clothing was the same woman I'd seen as the lady of the lake and then in this she was just spectacular there is a little bit that Ted tries to win Rebecca over to basically so show her that you know he's a nice guy and he's there for her. He bakes her cookies every day, and the first time she eats them, she goes, "Oh, they're amazing! Oh, thank you so much! Oh, that's so delicious!" Turned out, actually, the prop crew put almost no effort into them. They're pretty vile. They weren't horrible, terrible, but they are utterly bland biscuits. And her joke is, "My best acting ever is every time I eat one of those biscuits because they're terrible." Anyway, there we go. So Hannah Waddington, just what a force of nature. You know, you can tell they're building a really great team around them. And then there's Brett Goldstein, who initially he was brought in to potentially be one of the writers. His background is screenwriting, and he's only done a bit of acting, but he just fit the role of Roy Kent, who is blatantly based on Roy Keane. Again, a bit more on, on that stuff in a minute, but also a little shout-out to the likes of... It's a very diverse 
cast, obviously, if you're playing a football team, you know, it, even in something like Welcome to Wrexham, you've got people from different countries and, and different nationalities and different ethnicities as well. So it's going to be certainly no different for this particular scenario. So we got, for example, Tohib Jimo, he plays Sam. The irony is that Ted Lasso is definitely the heart of the series. You know, he's the conscience, he's the Jiminy Cricket, if you like. But over the series, Sam becomes even more of a conscience. And he has an amazing enlightening, particularly in season two, going on into season three. And then we've got Cristo Fernandez. He plays Danny Rojas. Football is life. And he's just absolutely glorious too. Look, we've got gay characters. We've got people coming from poor backgrounds. We've got immigrants. It's just a nod to everybody. Like I say, the whole point of it is it's nice. But that's also one of the problems of the series. Because everybody's being nice. Everybody basically sees the error of their ways. There's no antagonist. There's no pushback. And so in season three, for example, there's one episode where completely out the blue, we suddenly get into the world of politics. And we have basically a politician say that illegal immigrants should be sent away and we shouldn't care about boat people. They're kind of they're not as worthy as the rest of us. This is clearly playing on conservative policies that have been coming out in the last couple of years. But the thing is, Ted Lasso is not the place to be making a comment on that. They haven't been political previous to season three. Why are they suddenly being critical now in season three? And that whole thing led to the fact that basically Sam starts having an argument with this politician and they start going backwards and forwards. And then just as he's about to open his restaurant with his sister and his dad's coming over from Nigeria and basically some thugs who like were obviously sort of anti-immigration, anti-immigrant sort of thing, trash the restaurant. And then the whole football team comes together and starts redecorating it as a way to rally round their friend. It is lovely, but it's just a bit trite, basically. It's sort of like, here's the problem of the week. Oh, you know, people being intolerant to immigrants is is bad. Well, yeah, I think we already know that. The, the problem is there's quite a lot of swearing in this. This is not aimed at eight-year-olds. And the problem here fundamentally is the story of the week is something that if you are old enough to watch this properly, well, even my teenage kids can work out the story of the week, which brings me on to something else of a little bit pop culture which is, and this is the real problem with season three, is I'm going to go back to He-Man. And I don't want to say too much because I'm actually planning a He-Man episode. Quick plug there for something coming up in the future. By the power of Greyskull. But basically, at the end of He-Man cartoons, and indeed a lot of American cartoons in the 1980s, you'd have the whole story, and then at the end, there'd then be like uh, 60 seconds where they go, in this episode, we saw that when people were angry, they lashed out, and we shouldn't be doing that, and basically, we need to be calm, even if we're unhappy, and these are... So basically, here is the lesson of this episode, okay? This is the moral of the story, and to a lot of kids who didn't have a lot of parental supervision. The way they learnt how to be good people were from the cartoons of the 1980s. Again, lots more on this on that episode, okay? But the thing is, 
It's the most boring part. I want to see E-Man jump over something, or I want to see G.I. Joe blow something up, or Transformers transform, etc. I don't want them lecturing me at the end of the cartoon. I guess it's the price I have to pay to see all the cool stuff beforehand, alright? It's almost like the price of entry, although it's at the end. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, fine. It's been in TV shows before. But to take that boring bit of a cartoon and spin it out into a 50-minute episode? No! It, it's not dramatic enough. It's not funny enough. It's not provocative enough. You're telling me, it's, it's like when I did my episode on Avatar, you know, I said in the second Avatar movie, and it's actually in the first Avatar movie as well, it takes them three hours and the basic moral is, nature is good, war is bad. And it's like, it, it doesn't take three hours to get that story across. Same thing with, with these elements as well. But there are other fumbles too going on. So basically, I'll give you a through line of one of the biggest problems with Ted Lasso. So it's really clever, but again, it's fumbled in season three. I don't know what went so fundamentally wrong with season three if they got one and two so right. Although, again, there's a part of me thinking maybe it's when it came out rather than necessarily a problem with the writers. Because, and this is fair, people, when it first came out, people went, it's funny, but it's not that funny. And that's true. And it's like, there's a bit of drama in there, a bit of characterization. And this thing, everything is very average. 
If it was just knockabout comedy, you wouldn't be able to maintain it over three series and some episodes being 50 minutes long. That's just too much for the slapstick to happen. Okay, you do actually need some characters to get in there. But obviously, if it was a full-on serious drama, then the, the laughs aren't going to land. You can't jump between sort of trauma and comedy easily. That's generally a mistake of a number of films that have tried to mix those two together. They don't mix... So what you've got is light drama, what you've got is light comedy. None of this is going to sort of change the world, but it's entertainment. But it just seems to constantly miss the mark in season three. So a through line is when Ted arrives at Richmond AFC. When he arrives at the football club, there is basically this low confidence ball boy, the guy who looks after the kit and all that kind of stuff. And he's called Nathan. And basically, Ted has extreme faith in Nathan. Nathan clearly has been watching this long enough that he actually knows what to do, but he has no confidence inside him. And so in season one, basically, Ted builds Nathan up more and more and more, and he gets more respect. And it's sort of like, oh, it's just almost like a Cinderella story. And then in season two, it continues, but then Nathan starts feeling that he's not being appreciated, that sometimes they're saying it's Ted's plan when actually it was his plan. Not that Ted's trying to take the credit, but the, the journalists just assume. So this leads to a certain level of bitterness, a bit of envy there. And so in the end, Nathan basically storms off in a huff. And the last shot of season two is you can now see, and what's clever in the whole of season two is his hair goes from black to peppered grey so you can kind of see the stress him growing up as it were and him changing physically in front of you and then what's what's really cool is in the end of season two you get you see him and he's standing there and he is now the manager for West Ham which is a bigger football team than Richmond and so oh it's going to be the big showdown in season three but what happens in season three is we are reminded about how unconfident he is and there are several episodes where the B story of the entire episode is how Nathan is still racked with basically self-doubt and also how he's trying to get a girlfriend, but also how he's being really nasty to Ted, but also he then regrets it after being nasty. And it's like, okay, you've got to pick a lane here. Do I dislike Nathan? Is he the problem that needs to be fixed? Because that's how a story works. There is something, some problem that you have to overcome for there to be a happy ending. So is he that problem? Or am I rooting for him to get a girlfriend and it's like, oh, he's on our side? Because do you know what? If everybody's a friend, then there are no problems to fix unless you suddenly randomly say, oh, the government's done a bad thing and that's somehow going to affect the characters this week. No. And a similar thing is this girl called Keely, who's kind of an it girl. She's sort of like a model and you know, she's uh, presumably she, at some point she's done a novelty single or something like that, We although we don't know that. And basically, she's dating one of the footballers and they sort of fall out and then basically he's not treating her very well. But, but again, not in a sort of like dangerous sort of like domestic abuse kind of way. It's just sort of like he's being arrogant and maybe cheating on her or something like that. And so she, she finds her own path. Like Nathan, she realises she's better than she's been treating herself. And Ted sort of like helps her on that journey there. And she becomes a big fan friend of Rebecca, you know, the Sarah Waddingham character. And that's great. That's fine. And then in season two, she falls for this Roy Kent character played by Brett Goldstein. And they're a wonderful couple. And then for silly reasons, they split up in season three. And it's like, OK, fair enough. Are they going to get back together or not? But it's like 
the breakup is pointless. They even point out in the series, it's like there's no real good reason for them to break up except they're both really busy, but they still really have feelings for each other. Okay, fine. I mean, that's not the world's best excuse then. And then out of nowhere, we've seen her in two relationships with two footballers. And then out of nowhere, she suddenly starts having a relationship with this woman. Now, I have no problem with like gay relationships, okay? One of my claims to fame is I was best man at a lesbian wedding. That's fine. You do you. Find the person that you love. But we have in no way been teed up for this. She's never doubted her sexuality or looked at another woman that way ever before. And then out of, it just comes from out of nowhere. And in the same episode, she's pining about Roy still. And it's like, so what? You're not sure if you should have ended the relationship and now you're definitely sure that you've now changing your sexuality? Oh, come on. There's too many things going on here. Now, spoilers for season three. Eventually this relationship fizzles out. So this like, paves the way for them Roy to come back again. But it was a very tortuous journey. It's one of these things where, do you believe the leaps? Somebody once said about James Bond, is James Bond can leap further than an Olympic athlete, but they can't leap 60 feet because we know no human being can do that. At that point, he becomes a superhero. And it's the same thing here. It's sort of like, there's a point at which this stuff is unbelievable and there's too much of that going on with Ted Lasso, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. So season three... They're trying to make you care about people that also they've been telling you you shouldn't care about. Other people are completely messed up about a situation they seem to overcome with a fraction of a second, even though they've been moping about it for episode after episode. And then the show's called Ted Lasso. And I understand that it's an ensemble cast and they sort of spread their wings. They've got more confidence, spending more time with other people. But it's the point at which Ted is barely in his own show. And he's a quite a different character by season three. He's a bit more cynical bit more racked with sort of self-doubt himself and okay you could argue that's a character art gem that's a journey but it's like okay but the, the thing that made ted interesting in the first place is his upbeat attitude now what's really sad is that they put into the series a uh, ted comes over to the uk britain and he's still talking to his wife but that they're, they're obviously they're having couples counseling they're, they're on rocky shores and being an ocean away leads to the collapse of his marriage and that really upsets Ted. And sadly, Jason Sudeikis was basically doing the same thing. The reason why he was in the UK was pretty much the same reason why Ted was in the UK. And it kind of worked out okay for Jason. So it's really sad that he's obviously playing on real life there for, for his emotions and things like that. But where that's a bit of reality, Brett Goldstein, who is, you know, he's just a, a nice guy, basically. And he's going to be playing Hercules in the MCU, which clearly he got from playing Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. But Roy Kent is based on Roy Keane. And although Roy Kent is clearly a Londoner, a very gruff, no-nonsense Londoner, Roy Keane is a very proud Irishman. And if you knew Manchester United at their peak back in the 1990s, then their captain was Roy Keane, and he was this formidable defensive midfielder who would terrorise, basically, any team they were up against. You know, surrounded by the greats of the Manchester United team, you needed to be a huge presence to also get people like Cantona or Beckham or Ronaldo to listen to you. But they all listened to, to Roy Keane. And just, you know, he then went on to manage Ireland as well. He's a pundit quite often. He's now got a huge beard. And he's just always so no-nonsense. So if you like, even though Ted Lasso is completely made up and fictional, it is very much pulling 
on real bits of football. And the next bit I'm going to go to in the world of football is the fact that, you know, what's going on with the Premier League? Uh, you know, it's called the Premier League. And there's this, always this argument, you know, who's the greatest footballer in the world? And you might say it's Messi or Ronaldo or whatever, but neither of those people are currently playing in Britain. Ronaldo did, for a time, play for Manchester United. In fact, he went back there again, so he's been there twice. Messi has never played for, for a UK team. But here's the thing. Scotland has its own league. Wales is part of the, if they're good enough, then they can be in the Premier League, but they might be in a lower league. Like, for example, in, as I've already made reference, welcome to Wrexham. In theory, Wrexham, if they, if they win season after season and go, keep getting promoted, they could end up in the Premier League. Whereas if you're, I don't know, a Scottish team like Rangers or Celtic, no matter how good you are, you don't get into the England team. You've got your own separate team same thing with like you know the spanish team it could be real madrid or barcelona winning it they're not going to end up in the premier league but i am of the feeling that where there you, know, you get um you get mega teams like inter milan ac milan or you get the likes of barcelona or real madrid or bayern munich paris saint germain psg you know you get these teams with just sort of some of the greatest players in the world the problem in my opinion and it is an opinion is this Britain has basically more money than the the German leagues and and some of these other leagues. So the reality is that while, yes, you could have these super teams going on in these leagues, somebody like Manchester City or Arsenal, two of the top teams in Britain, they may win or lose against the likes of a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona. But where I see the power of the the English Premier League is once you get into mid-table. Once you get to the likes of, you know, not everybody, you know, the the big teams, you know, at the moment, Newcastle spent a fortune on their team. So you get Newcastle and Liverpool and Manchester United and Man City and Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea, of course. Chelsea has been in the Champions League final as well, though they're having a torrid season this year. But the point is, not all of those can end up playing in the Champions League. Whereas what do you see from other countries? You see the same teams being there again and again. So if I was to get somebody in like right in the middle of the Premier League, I would say, argument's sake, they would beat the middle of La Liga or Serie A or the Bundesliga. You know, basically, almost every country in Europe has like their top four teams who are just awesome, but then everybody else is kind of rubbish. But it's not like that in England because you get somebody like Tottenham, which on a good day can beat anybody. It's just they don't have good days often enough. And my brother-in-law's a Tottenham's fan. So for, for the record, they are incredibly erratic. So anyway, I digress. But, you know, all the sponsorships and things like this, these are world brands. Yes, Barcelona's also a world brand. But things like Manchester United and Man City and Chelsea and Arsenal, you know, these are names that are known around the world. And when they get sponsorship, it's or when when companies buy their clubs, it's things like you know, a massive conglomerate from Saudi Arabia. Or in the case of Manchester United, they were bought by the Glazers, the American conglomerate, because football is more popular around the world than American football. So soccer is more popular than football, if that makes sense. And so going all the way back to NBC, and I've said this before, what's interesting is America can influence the world with their movies and their music and their fashion and their TV but they don't influence the world with their sports. 
because America is kind of on its own island, if you like, the Americas. They're in their own time zones. So when's a good time to watch something like the Super Bowl? So the Super Bowl, basically in Britain, starts at about two o'clock in the morning the next day from when the Super Bowl starts in America. You have to really love the Super Bowl to see that in Britain. Or indeed, you know, so if it's two o'clock in the UK, it's three o'clock in most of the rest of Western Europe. And it's at the wrong time for people out in Asia. And there's just never been this influence of things. I mean, yes, I am aware that Japan does actually play baseball, but China and Indonesia and Malaysia, these sort of massive markets out there, don't play baseball. They don't play basketball. They don't play American football, etc. And even in Japan, they may play baseball, but they don't play any of those other sports. Whereas football is the single most played game around the world and you know the greatest the greatest country in the world in terms of winning world cups is brazil brazil's got nothing to do with america it's the one thing brazil's famous for what's interesting is they decided to focus on the english premier league because that would make sense for ted lasso the reason why he's there in the first place is rebecca has just won this as part of her divorce settlement with her husband, who is probably the closest to an out-and-out out villain in the whole thing, but he's just not in it enough. And so why did she hire Ted? Because she wanted to destroy. She knew he loved this football club at Richmond, and so she's bringing in an American, and basically in the first half of the first series, she's kind of the bad guy because she wants Ted Lasso to just destroy this football club. But then his folksiness rubs off on her, and he, she thinks, oh, let's do it and have some fun, if you like. So, you know, just everybody, if they've got an evil plot, very rapidly sort of like start having a nice time of things. It's it's sort of weird in regards to that. Now, when I first saw it, it is so well set up. I, like lots of other people, it's like they've got the brand and it's interesting that they've got the Whippet kind of race dog and it's like the Greyhounds. Whippet's a small Greyhound. Apologies. And obviously they're at an actual football pitch as well, which wasn't one of the big ones. It wasn't like the Etihad Stadium or Wembley. So it's like, mm, I wonder where they film this. And it's like, have I missed it? Because literally I'm on, I'm very, very close to a, a genuine football club called Wealdstone FC, which is in the same, same level as in very low level as Wrexham until Wrexham got promoted. So, you know, that's a football club. They actually have a, a small stadium there. I mean, it's barely a football club. But anyway, the point is, London has lots of different football clubs, so I thought maybe I missed it. Maybe Richmond's been like on the third tier of football for the last hundred years. It turns out, no, AFC Richmond is completely made up, and what they're doing is they're actually filming in Crystal Palace's grounds. It's sort of like, oh, that's really clever, but it gives this a sense of reality, realness to it. So when it, when it comes to pop culture, sport is very much a pop culture. I did an episode on the World Cup because, yeah, it's the most viewed sporting event in the world at any time. And just week in, week out, the Premier League, or if you don't like that, and then Serie A or La Liga or whatever, they get far more people watching any of these sporting events, any of their sort of matches, than are actually fans of that thing. Because you've got literally, I love this, there's the 13 Lives, the Ron Howard movie, which is the one of many different dramatizations of trying to get those boys out of that Thai cave a few years ago. And you got the kids, they start off, they're all in a football team. And you see they're standing there and some of them got Barcelona tops, but some of them got things like Manchester United. And it's sort of like that shows you the spread. They're not standing there in Pittsburgh Steeler tops. You know, they're not they're not playing American football and you're sort of like going, oh, my favorite player is, you know, somebody from the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. No, 
they know. And indeed, one of the kids in that movie, they literally do the very famous Ronaldo jump up in the air and sort of like put arrow their arms, which you have to know Ronaldo. You have to know football to understand why that kid's doing it. But it's a reference to somebody from halfway around the world. But they are connected by the sport. And if you're going to showcase the best of football week in, week out, I'm going to argue the Premier League is going to be the best place to do it in. And therefore, that's why it's clever that Ted Lasso decided to go there. So I guess in summary of this, I'm going to turn around and simply say that, yeah, I liked Ted Lasso. Is it enough to get an Apple Plus subscription? No, but as you know, I really loved Severance. I thought it was the best show of last year. And I really love Foundation. So those are two things that are also on it. So maybe buy it for a month or so and sort of rip through all of these things. But I'm going to say with Ted Lasso, this is a classic example of sometimes you might want to leave them wanting more. Because if you watch series one and two, you will probably really enjoy series one and two. But three, it has some good moments in it. But it just, it's not dramatic enough to be called a drama. And it's not funny enough to be called a comedy. It's just a bit average, to be honest. I guess a bit like AFC Richmond. They're just all right. And I'm looking for something like, and I thought I saw a bit more of the kind of Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool level of of play, or at least quality in the first two series. That's where I'm going to leave it. And as always, another episode coming soon. 